Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'm your host again today. Thanks very much for joining me. We're going to be tackling a couple of really tough subjects, specifically preventing acute low back pain from becoming a chronic problem, but then also how to manage chronic pain successfully. Because even if you're great at preventing acute episodes from becoming chronic, long-standing problems for your patients, you're going to get patients in your practice that already are there. They already have chronic pain, either because they were mismanaged or they have mismanaged their acute episodes. So even if you're great at preventing those problems from becoming long-lasting, you're still going to have to deal with chronic pain in your practice. As a matter of fact, a lot of us deal with chronic pain patients all the time. Probably 80% of the referrals, 90% of the referrals that I get in my practice are for chronic pain patients. So managing these successfully is important, but so is appropriately handling those acute pain episodes so that they don't become a chronic pain patient. And that's important to communicate to your patients too, stating that we're going to do these things in this treatment plan to prevent your acute low back pain from becoming chronic. That's an important step to take, and that will increase your compliance with your care plans if patients know you're looking out for their long term. And that goes no matter what you're doing, whether it is a education process or a physical therapy plan with home exercises or chiropractic or laser therapy, ensuring that you are communicating to your acute pain patients that you don't want them to end up as a chronic pain patient. That's an important step. And then with your chronic pain patients, talking about how you're going to manage their case successfully is a big step as well. Now, before I get into the real content of today's podcast, I want to ask you for two favors. Number one, if you enjoy this podcast, please scroll down, scroll down if you're on an iPhone, all the way to the bottom and leave us a rating or review. The more five-star reviews we get, the more people can find us on these podcast apps. It helps us to rank higher. Secondly, if you will follow the link in the show notes to go to our website, you can sign up for our email list. And that means that every week we'll send you an email. There's all kinds of great stuff in there from research updates to what LTI is currently able to do for your practice. Laser fails of the month where we find some pretty significant faults in uh, marketing photos and things like that out there. It's it's a great little educational tool. If you are interested in laser therapy, if you perform laser therapy in your practice, it's a great way to stay up to date on what's happening in the laser world. It'll take you just a minute or so to leave us a review and to go sign up for that email list. Okay, let's get into the content today. Now, this is pretty neat stuff because we're looking at two different studies that covered hundreds of thousands of patients. And we're looking at, again, preventing acute low back pain from becoming chronic and also how to manage these chronic pain patients successfully. And the biggest thing here is compliance. Now, I'm not talking about the patient's compliance with your care plan necessarily in this case. I'm talking about us as healthcare providers being compliant with the guidelines that have been laid out for these problems. Now, you might say, what? We're talking about guidelines here? We're talking about laser therapy. That's half the time it's not even in the guidelines. Yes, you're right. Uh, a lot of guidelines 
don't include laser therapy yet. They've not been updated. They haven't looked at the latest research or there are some biases uh, against light therapies. That's a topic for a different day and one that we've touched on on this podcast before. You know, a guideline that is not updated with the current research is worse than having no guideline at all. That's what we know from several other research articles. But today we're talking about actually being compliant with the guidelines to prevent these acute episodes of low back pain from becoming chronic and in managing chronic pain correctly. So the first study I'm going to pull for you today is titled Risk Factors Associated with Transition from Acute to Chronic Low Back Pain in U.S. Patients Seeking Primary Care. And this was published in February of 2021, just this year, in the JAMA Network Open Journal. And it's a great critical look on thousands of patients at how low back pain becomes chronic. They say that acute low back pain is highly prevalent with a presumed favorable diagnosis. However, once chronic, low back pain becomes a disabling and expensive condition. And the overall transition from acute low back pain to chronic low back pain was 32%. That is very high because about 98% of patients will experience at least acute low back pain episodes at some point. And if 30% of those patients are transitioning from simple acute issues to chronic low back pain, that is a huge number of people in the world. What is driving that? Well, they say that exposure to non-concordant care was associated with increased odds of developing chronic low back pain. If you get the wrong kind of care, odds are your acute back pain will become a chronic problem. So what does concordant care then look like? Well, this paper says that reassurance, you know, reassuring patients that most episodes of acute low back pain do resolve quickly, have a low likelihood of serious underlying pathology, uh, and along with advice to main activity as tolerated, is usually going to be a good way to handle things. And non-pharmacological interventions such as heat and massage, acupuncture, and spinal manipulation are recommended as first-line treatment options. Now, in this case, they did not include laser therapy. However, is that a reasonable thing to add in? Potentially, depending on your patient, right? Acute low back pain. If you're positive that there's no real red flags, if you're pretty sure that it is a simple low back pain case, doing some things like heat massage, acupuncture, spinal manipulation, maybe some laser therapy in there might be a great way to address this acute pain without straying outside of the guidelines. What does it look like? When you go outside of those guidelines, what does non-concordant care look like? Well, they say that advanced imaging, specialty consultations, and prescription of opioid medications is not recommended. And any prescriptions that included opioids were considered non-concordant care, along with prescriptions that included benzodiazepines and or systemic corticosteroids alone without the presence of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or short-term muscle relaxers. That's, that's considered non-concordant as well. So just standalone corticosteroid, like a prednisone taper, without NSAIDs or like a flexoril, that's considered non-concordant. Also, diagnostic imaging for a CT or an MRI scan or even x-rays is considered non-concordant imaging outside of red flags. Now, I'm not going to go into red flags because if you've been in, uh, in the musculoskeletal pain world for any amount of time, you should know what those red flags are, right? The other thing that is 
non-concordant is medical subspecialty referral, in which it means like a referral to a surgeon or a physiatrist or a neurologist or a pain specialist. You should not be heading off to those specialists if you're in an acute pain episode, again, outside of the presence of red flags. So to recap, non-concordant care, we're talking anything with opioids, standalone steroids, imaging, including x-rays, CT scans, MRIs, or referral out to a specialist like a surgeon, an orthopedist, a physiatrist, a pain specialist. Any of that is non-concordant care. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything or should only go with, you know, reassurance, ah, oh, you'll be all right, it doesn't last long. That doesn't mean that's always the best approach. They say that uniformly applying a minimalist approach like simple advice and reassurance to all patients with acute low back pain without considering that patient's risk status is unwarranted and may lead to suboptimal care. So we're not saying that you should never do anything, especially for patients that are at higher risk. And those risk factors are things like obesity, smoking, poor insurance coverage, believe it or not, a low back pain that includes pain down the leg, a significant amount of disability, or diagnosed depression and anxiety. Those patients should not be left with simple advice or reassurance. They need some type of intervention. However, it should be more on the minimal intervention side rather than referral out to specialists. Again, going back to what they say is concordant care, we're talking about non-pharmacologic interventions like heat, massage, acupuncture, spinal manipulation, and I'm going to say probably some laser therapy as well. Non-pharmacologic interventions that can have very good effects on managing and reducing acute low back pain. They say that one of the big problems in really managing these cases well is in the Physicians lack of musculoskeletal training. Medical educators have recognized for years that training in musculoskeletal medicine is suboptimal for medical students, residents, and general practitioners. These are the folks that are also saddled with high caseloads and an overwhelming volume of guidelines that would take an estimated 18 hours per day to address all guideline recommendations with their patients. So these are primary care providers really that are delivering suboptimal care and care that's outside of the guidelines, non-concordant care. That's why we see a lot of this use of advanced imaging where it's not needed or referral out to specialists when it's not needed and actually harms the patient and an underutilization of non-pharmacological care. So what solution do they recommend in this paper? Well, they say that the primary spine practitioner is another model proposed in the United States in which chiropractors and physical therapists serve as the initial or early entry point of contact for patients with acute low back pain. Another potentially beneficial strategy is the use of multidisciplinary teams comprised of medical specialists and other health practitioners to deliver more guideline concordant care and have real solutions for acute low back pain to prevent it from becoming a chronic issue. So not to rag on primary care practitioners here with no solution, but primary care docs and nurse practitioners and PAs really just aren't equipped to be able to handle these acute low back pain cases within the guidelines. And in most cases, having a good referral pattern or a multidisciplinary approach is going to assist with making sure that more of these acute low back pain issues do not become chronic issues. 
Now, I promised at the beginning we we're going to talk about managing chronic pain cases, though, too, because it's going to happen in your practice. You're going to get somebody who had acute episodes, it weren't managed correctly, and now they are in chronic pain. Or they did not manage their acute pain episodes at all. They didn't get any help, and now the issue has transformed from acute episodes into chronic low back pain. Now the patient is looking to do something about it, and you might even be the first one that uh, this patient encounters from a healthcare perspective where you're stuck with a chronic pain patient that just didn't get this addressed early enough. How do we manage those cases appropriately? Well, that's where this second study comes in. This one is titled, Non-Pharmacological Treatment of Army Service Members with Chronic Pain is Associated with Fewer Adverse Outcomes After Transition to the Veterans Health Administration. This was just published in October of 2019. It's not that old in the Journal of General Internal Medicine. This is a really neat study focused on hundreds of thousands of patients within the military health service. Because of the problems we have with opioid medications and overdose and suicide and drinking, so many problems, especially within that military health system. But, you know, that's not just for military folks. This is a, just a really good way to look at kind of how our entire U.S. society is operating right now. So in this study, they looked at the use of non-pharmacological care versus pharmacological-focused care for patients with chronic pain. And they said that in facilities where non-pharmacological therapy was more common, patients were less likely to initiate long-term opioid treatment. And that is a big deal because for those service members with chronic pain who received non-pharmacological therapies, they were at a significantly lower risk for new onset alcohol and or drug use disorder, poisoning with opioids, related narcotic use, barbiturates, sedatives, suicide ideation, and self-inflicted injuries, including suicide attempts. You know, just back in 2020 alone, we had over 90,000 opioid-related deaths. This is a major problem. This is a big problem facing our veterans, but this is really a nationwide problem that we have with the use of opioids. And the stats say that most of these opioid abuse problems start with a prescription for pain. So this study really evaluated where, where that lines up. And, and when you have a hundreds of thousands of strong study, you can really draw some great conclusions from it. So non-pharmacological therapy, really reduced these opioid problems, suicidal ideations, drug abuse, and so forth. What was non-pharmacological therapy? Well, that was defined as acupuncture or dry needling, biofeedback, chiropractic, massage, exercise therapy, laser therapy, osteopathic manipulation, TENS units, and other electrical manipulations, ultrasound, therapeutic ultrasound, superficial heat treatments, traction, and other physical therapy, as well as lumbar supports or bracing. I think it's pretty great that laser therapy was included in that list. It's one of the things that can be used in a non-pharmacological approach for patients that are trying to avoid or get away from the opioid medication side of things, and that providing this type of non-pharmacological therapy to service members with chronic pain could potentially save lives. This is a big deal. Now we're not talking about just managing chronic pain appropriately and correctly within the guidelines, but actually saving people's lives, reducing suicide attempts, reducing opioid addiction and abuse. This is a big deal. 
And if we're going to get a hold on this as a country, really across the globe, then it starts by making sure that we are all within these guidelines. We're offering the right kind of non-pharmacological care, which in many cases does include laser therapy. This can be done at the primary care level. This can be done with physical therapy or chiropractic in that multidisciplinary team that we talked about earlier, or in that primary spine provider where your PTs and your chiros are kind of that first line of defense for these acute back pain episodes. And this expands all the way out to oncology, neurology, and orthopedics especially, right? Managing these pain issues correctly the first time around, whether it is acute or chronic, is going to help with the total picture of opioid abuse, death, and even suicides. Thanks very much for joining me today. I hope you found this interesting. Again, those two favors I asked of you, scroll down, leave us a rating, leave us a review to help others find us, and then also click that link in the show notes to take you to our email subscription. You can sign up, you can get those emails every week. Of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. We'll never sell your email address, uh, and I think you'll enjoy getting those weekly updates. Thanks very much, and I'll see you here next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.